welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this podcast plus the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm at Surveyors, which is the place for landlords and investors to come and build mixed use and commercial property portfolios that completely align with their goals. Before we get started today, I have to let you know about something that I am doing on the 29th of March at 6.30pm. If you haven't subscribed already, you need to. I am doing how to supercharge your property portfolio via buying commercial property. I talk about it a lot. I'm going to do a webinar on it. If you want to come to that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash March 2021. I'll also put the link below. Come and join me live. I would love to see you there. Right, today, podcast. Let's get on to it. I'm going to be talking, and I've got a special guest who I'll introduce you to in a second, how to make the right decision in property investment, property investment decisions. I would love to tell you that each one of my clients makes property decisions really strategically and I would love it. I would be over the moon if everybody took their gut, their their kind of heart out of it and thought with their heads. If you've not heard it before, I'm going to tell you now that I firmly believe that you invest via the six buckets method and you fill each of the buckets. And once you've done that, you can go out and search for a property that hits each of those requirements. They fall under growth potential. So how you're going to increase the value demand. Is there an appetite for the property and where is the right area yield? including your net income. So you need to work out what it is that you want to achieve from the property type, buy to let, service to accommodation, HMO, commercial, mixed use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Characteristics, what you need the property to have. And then you'll search. How are you going to find the property? That's ideas for finding the property. If you fill all of those buckets and then consider your finances, how much do you have to, to spend? you then should have a really good plan for what property to buy next and what decision to make. It should be easy, right? You come across that property and you go, yes, fabulous. I'm going to buy that. Well, in reality, I wish that was true, but it's not. Because so many people find properties that pretty much hit all of the requirements that they need or they can maneuver their properties to meet those requirements. It doesn't have to meet those requirements on the day that you purchase, but they're still really afraid to make the decision to pull the trigger and purchase. And so today, because I know so many people struggle to make the right decision, and I'm going to put right in air quotes because that's what we're going to be talking about. I decided that I'm going to investigate this further by bringing back to the podcast my fountain of knowledge, the person who, even though she's going to tell you that she's not that decisive, but seems to be incredibly decisive when it comes to property decisions, my mum. Hi, mum. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. That's okay. (laughs) Now, Disclaimer, I didn't send mum any of the questions that I'm going to ask her before this podcast. <laughs> so I'm really glad you've got a glass of wine in hand when we're recording this. But you seem to, as much as you say to me, no, Natasha, I can't speak about this because I don't make the right decisions. 
you seem to. So I'm going to ask you decision, ask you questions around how you've made the right decision in property investment, because a lot of people will know, or maybe you don't. Mum has helped me a lot with my property investment decisions over the years because I am not always present. And we know that because I don't always live in the same area that I'm investing in. So I have plenty of questions around um, that, how to make the right decision and how you know, because I think me who thinks about this strategically, I do the strategic stuff and you kind of do the gut instinct. How do you know that that's right stuff? So I'm going to ask you questions about that. All right. Okay. Okay. So the first question I wanted to ask you, you've been my eyes and ears on the ground for a long time and you've told me to buy property before when I've not even seen it how do you know that it's the right property um you just sort of know I think so when you walk in the door you sort of we have to know the area I think that's quite important is that you know the area already and then when you walk through the door, you sort of know, you have a feeling if this is going to be the right sort of property. Um, I, I can't really describe it in, in as much as you are also thinking, would I want to live here or would somebody in maybe you're a student, maybe you're a young couple, would you want to live in this property? And then you have a look and think, yeah, I would like to. But then you look at what are the downsides? So how much work does it need? Does it smell nice as you walk through the door? I think when you walk in, actually, the first thing, when you walk through a property, is the smell. And you know if it's damp or if there's something wrong just by the smell of the property. And then you can also see whether or not it's actually been cared for. Because unless you really want to do lots of building work, you want to know that your property's been cared for, don't you, I think? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's having a look with your own eyes. Don't listen to what the estate is telling you as you walk around. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Because they <laughs> tell you one thing. And actually, you're feeling a different thing. I've seen so many properties where I just don't care enough. Yeah. And on paper, it makes the right decision. But sometimes I just don't care about it. No, and I think you have to care about the property. Sorry, How did on. you know to buy your cottage rather than all the other cottages that you were looking at when you were looking in the Cotswolds? Size, because I wanted to buy a cottage in the the Cotswolds, but when I started looking, I found that lots of the properties had very tiny rooms and they were very dark. So low ceilings, um, very steep staircases, very small rooms. And this property, although it's the same age as the other properties that we looked at, it's got a very nice high ceilings, the staircases you don't have to climb on your hands and knees to get up to the bedrooms. And it's just really, it had that feeling of space, which is what I wanted. So that's what I fell in love with, really. And then your now investment property, but you lived there for a little period of time. How did you know that that one was right? Um, well, that I bought in a very much of a hurry because I needed somewhere to live. And I looked at lots of, lots of properties. But when I looked at that one, it was exactly right for my stage at that moment it had been on the market apparently a long time and hadn't had any office and they just dropped the price to an incredibly good price because they were needing to sell it and it's in good condition I knew that I could move in immediately um, and it said I'd been looking in Bath Bath is um has premium price properties so wherever you buy it's it 
you have to pay over the odds. And this property, instead of being one of the normal dark small terraces that I've looked at, was actually a modern, spacious bungalow, which was detached. And for the price, I couldn't say no. It was just the perfect property for me to move into at that moment, although it wasn't my long-term home. No, no. Okay, so it's kind of gut feeling around, you know what you're looking for, you've got to figure out if it fits. And what when you've walked into somewhere and you think, no, is it, do you know instantaneously? Like instantly? No, not always. It's looking at things and seeing whether or not you can get around them. Um, some properties I've looked at has been things like, uh, when I was looking at Flats View, for instance, it's looking at the shared areas. Because the flat might have been beautiful, but some of the shared areas just didn't stack up. Maybe they were very grubby and they obviously haven't been cared for. Um, the windows haven't been replaced in the shared areas. And you knew that actually, if you're buying a leasehold property, that probably isn't a good investment because if they're not going to care for those areas, you're going to have a hard job talking to the, the leaseholders, the, the freeholders to get anything done. So that sort of, and that sort of instinct, I don't know, just instinct for me, that mm-hmm. if it's not cared for in that area, you know it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you remember as well when we were looking around for other properties in Notting Hill and they would say that they were like one bed flats and they turned out to be just a room. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's been some quite shocking places that we've looked at when they said it's one bedroom and actually, well, where's the bedroom? Where's the living room? <laughs> and you go down some dingy stairs and you think, oh, I'm all right. Not for me. No. And then you know, the, the, the downstairs, well, the toilet, the bathroom to the property is outside in past a little tiny courtyard and then it's under the road somewhere so it's not attached to the rest of the property we saw a couple of those didn't we (laughs) (laughs) we've also seen some strange properties haven't we when um do you remember did you come with me to the property where we thought there was a student sleeping in the bed still oh no No. i don't think me with that one i was looking at a property in bath and it was a very tiny flat and um, there was a sort of pull-out bed, and I'm sure that there was actually somebody asleep in the bed while we were looking around. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that sort of wasn't really for us either. I don't know why. <laughs> I've been to some bizarre properties in Bath. Did you come with me? Do you remember going to a studio that they said was a one bed? It turned out to just be a single room at the back of the property. Um, I can't remember. No, um, I don't remember that one. It was like, oh, I'm really sorry. The one bed is sold, but we've got another one bed. And they took me to this room and I was like, this isn't a one bed. This really isn't a one bed. No, thank you. Let's leave. But then there have been some lovely, lovely, lovely apartments. I mean, I always remember that one that I lost on Walcott Parade. And that was the only other one where I thought oh, that would have been a great property to have do you remember that I was bidding on that the one with the garden yeah that was a lovely property um, and but, but it did have a drawback Natasha which I think that you didn't consider so much was the roof obviously needed doing yeah do you remember the roof had a big dip in it and although the flat was lovely and it's a good price it would have cost a fortune to have had that 
to, to have been part of the sharing of buying that. But that was lovely because it had a nice garden. But again, it was on a, it was in a weird, it had a separate room, didn't it? Had a, yeah. it, it was only a one bedroom flat, but they called it a two bedroom. But the, the second bedroom was outside the flat, wasn't it? Do you remember yeah. that? It had a separate room somewhere. Yeah, but, underneath the garden. Yeah, that wasn't quite right. <laughs> I do quite like quirky flats, though. Well, it had a shower, a weird shower as well, didn't it, that one? Was that the shower in the sort of salary bit? Yes. Yeah, that was quite weird. And then we went to see a flat where the hoarders lived. Oh, and the lady was still doing her ironing and she clearly didn't want to move. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was being turfed out. She clearly did not want to move from that flat. That was very awkward, wasn't it? Stepping over boxes and things. <laughs> We've seen a lot of strange, strange apartments <laughs> all the time. And sometimes just to be nosy as well. Sometimes I want to see why other properties are um, so much more expensive than mine is. And I wonder about that as well. And then you go in and you think, I think they're just trying their luck. I remember going and seeing a 450 grand flat in Margaret's buildings. So yes, yeah, you definitely get a gut feeling for why it works and why it doesn't work. Um, Okay, so moving on to my second question then. Mortgage products, you've been through your remortgages uh, more recently than I have. I kind of, 2020 wasn't a year at all where I had any mortgage products up. So um, how have you chosen what's right? Because a lot of people are like two years, three years, four years, five years, what should I fix in for? How did you decide on that? You've just fixed in Uh, another one, haven't you? Recently, too, the, I've done the rental property in Bath recently. That was last year. Um, and that one, because the rate was so good, I fixed that for four years. And because I've got very good tenants who I know want to be there for a while. And because at that time, we weren't in the pandemic, luckily. It was just before we, we entered the pandemic. So, and I just had new tenants. So it just turned out to be really, really a good decision that I had a fixed price at a very, very good um, interest rate I knew my tenants were going to be there so that made me decide on four years and I knew that no matter what's going to happen I'm going to keep that property for four years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this property that I live in now the mortgage on this when that came up um, I I decided I had to think and I, and I had to investigate but my this is more of a short term thing because probably I won't be living here for the next five years. So that made me decide that actually two years is a, a good bet. And I looked, compared lots and lots of different products. And then I stayed with my mortgage company I was already with um, because they offered very good rates and I didn't have to pay a fee on it. But I would advise when you're changing mortgage, make sure you've got a very good broker that you can trust. And I think that was the key to being able to change the mortgage, getting the best product. Um, yeah. And he helped with the decision. And I, I would thoroughly recommend getting a very good um, person to help you there that you trust. I know. Because a lot of people are very anti-paying mortgage brokers. You don't have to pay every mortgage broker, but you've got to work with someone who actually you want to get their advice. Because if you don't want to get their advice, why would you bother? Yeah, also because if you if you are renting a property, like I I've got an income coming in from the property, but I also am part time working, and I also have started to draw 
pass my pension down. So I'm not in the normal standard circumstances for getting a mortgage. So your mortgage broker knows all about you and he can source the products and the companies that will deal with your situation. Saves you wasting so much time because you don't have to do the hard work. And he'll find one that doesn't have the product fee. So although you're paying him, you'll probably be not paying a product fee, which can run into two, three thousand pounds if you're not careful. So actually, it, it does work out quite a good price. But, yeah, I agree. I agree. So next question, big one: spending <laughs> illiquid money. One of the big things that I get asked, or people give me the excuse that the reason they don't want to buy is, well, I'm putting all of this money into a property, and it's going to be so tough to get back out. How do I know that I'm making the right decision? And this isn't from a strategic point of view. What would you say to somebody who? What would I say? I think you need to find somebody that you can trust to talk it over. Because it's important that you see it from all angles. And you have to see, do you need, if you need that money for something else short term, it's probably not the right decision to do that. But if you're happy to invest it, and it, and it, is, a, it is like any other thing, it is a little bit of a gamble. You know, so you have to work out the risks. It's the same as if you go to a financial advisor or to your bank, they'll ask you what risks that you're prepared to take. So you have to think to yourself, am I prepared to take this risk? Because what happens if interest rates shoot up? And that's why it's good to fix. I thought it was good to fix for four years so that I know that actually for the next four years, I am actually going to be making some income from this. And then in four years time, I might decide, decide to sell. So I'm sort of hedging my bets. I, I sort of know and I've planned ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, and you can make money, but it's doing, doing the maths and making sure that you're going to be bringing in some money. If you don't have a lot to spare money, you don't want property that you need to do lots of work to. You need to buy something that actually you can move straight in, maybe do a little bit of painting, but you get it rented out straight away. Mm-hmm. So that's my sort of advice. Really true. Okay, I have a question for you actually that is now off off my off my list. But thinking back to your tenants that you chose last year, they were kind of um, an abnormal setup in terms of mm. tenants, just because of their income and they wanted to go in, and then you let them redecorate the place, right? Yeah. Why did you make that decision? Because a lot of people would say, no, they definitely can't. Um, I want control over how my property is decorated. And because I set the boundaries. So when I was ready to change tenants, they came to look at the property, how it was. And they saw that some of the stuff needed doing and they were happy to do it. And we discussed it. And um, yeah, it's just the way that we discussed it. It, It worked. And they they had the skills that I didn't have and that they wanted to move in sooner rather than having to wait. Um, So it all seemed to work out. It's talking to them and setting the boundaries and saying, you know, I'm quite happy for you to repaint the walls white, but I'm not happy if you want to paint them purple. But then, you know, again, it's setting the boundaries and and I don't know, it just works. I think it's communication. Talk to your tenants, make sure they're they're the right people for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've been paying the whole way through lockdown, haven't they? They have, which has been fantastic, actually. They've been really, really good tenants. And like you say, they're not a conventional, they're not a family, but it's a couple and a brother. 
but they were really nice and I met other members of the family who live locally and um, they've got a connection to the area which makes them want to stay um, and it's exactly what they're looking for and they're the right people yeah and was that gut feeling again because I didn't I didn't get involved at all in your letting process um yes it was and what I quite liked was they were vetting me almost as much as I was vetting them so they asked the right questions and they were happy to do some improvements that I didn't particularly want to pay for. Um, the driveway didn't have a gate on it and they would like to have a gate. But they were happy to put the gate up themselves and pay for that because I, I wasn't bothered to have a gate or not. So I didn't <laughs> particularly want to pay for that. So I knew that they were going to be long term tenants. Mm-hmm. And when things went wrong, when I had a little leak, they'd contact me and tell me. And then between us, we'd get it sorted out. And they, they, I think it's just that communication. So in that first sort of short period of them sort of bedding in, we sort of had quite a lot to do with each other, I think. Yeah, it yeah. worked really well. And going back in, they've decorated it beautifully. Not how I would, but not just the decoration, the, the furniture and furnishings. It's absolutely beautiful. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. And not how hard to have it. It's very glitzy and furry, and they've got lots of grey fur and very shiny mirrors and... It's not how I would have it, but it is actually beautiful. <laughs> it looks like a show at home. Ooh. <laughs> did, you, did you have to redo that bathroom? No, no, no. I still haven't redone the bathroom yet. I mean, it will be done at some point, but they seem to be happy with it. So okay. it'd be Perfect. on a schedule to do perhaps in the future, but at the moment, no. Okay. So next question is, you've, loaned me a lot of money we have investment agreements on things how do you know it's right to lend money because that's the other thing is that um a lot of people will say well I've got 10 grand spare I've got 20 grand spare I'm going to loan you know should I be lending that to people how would you how do you know to make that decision Wow, Natasha, <laughs> I'm your mum for a start. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I know where you live. Um, no, it, it was because we discussed it thoroughly, didn't we? And we talked about um, the pros and cons of doing it. And I happened to have the money at the time when you needed it. And you had a payment plan in place. Um, I knew the property that you were going to buy. Um, I'd, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily for everybody, but it just happened to work for us at this particular time. And it was just pure chance that I had the money that I could lend you at exactly the right time. Yeah. And I didn't have anything else that I needed to do with that at that moment. Why wouldn't you recommend people get involved in that? I think it can be, it, it, it can be dangerous, can't it? You could risk losing the money. And, and I don't know. I think our circumstances are different because we sort of know each other's risk, I think, as well. I think we sort of know each other and we can work together. And if I had not liked the property that you're going to buy, I could have said to you, I don't think this is a wise investment. Mm-hmm. And I think you might have listened. Probably, yeah. But I think that we work quite well together. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. fine. You owe me some money, Natasha. Bet back quick. <laughs> You come debt collecting on the podcast. That's the only reason you decided to come on today. 
Let's hope the sisters are watching. <laughs> okay, that's a really that's I think okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amy and Sophie are going to be like, we're after that next. Yeah. But it, it's, it, for me, it was a sort of investment. Um, it's better than the interest rate I get in the bank, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I pay, I pay out interest on, on a monthly basis at the moment, which. Yeah, you do. Oh, you do? <laughs> Don't think about it too much, Natasha. I'm doing very well out of you, thank you. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> it's something that we, yeah, I we do quite well. And because I've been involved in your property buying, okay, just by going around having a look, I felt that I knew enough about the investment. I have the knowledge, and I I would say if you're going to do it, make sure you've got the knowledge. Make sure that though you don't have it, and I don't have any say in it. Really, it's nothing to do with me because I've lent you the money, and what you do with it is whatever you want to do. But it's to make sure that the person that you lend it to is somebody that you can trust mm-hmm. and that you have an agreement and that agreement is kept up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'd lent it to anybody else. So. Okay. Fair enough. How do you know when you're getting the right advice from someone? I think you know. I think you... you I think you have to have more than one person to talk to or more than one source of information. If you just blindly take what somebody says as fact, you could get into trouble, I think. So you do need to have some knowledge yourself and you do need to go out and do a little bit of research yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what I would say is just make sure that you are actually opening your eyes and listening properly because also it's very easy to... Believe what you want to believe. If you want to think that you're on a get-rich scheme, that's what you're going to hear and listen. And I don't think you get rich quickly. I think you have to be careful. Trust the person that you're talking to, but also just double-check from outside as well, just to make sure that you're happy with it. Mm -hmm. Mm I agree. So the next question is, what happens if you make the wrong decision in property? For example, you spend some money, it doesn't pan out. Do you worry about this? Um, well, no, because I think that there's, there's things that it's not just one. There's not always one route. Let's say you bought a property that you were going to let and it Say, say in my circumstances, say I bought another property that I wanted to let out and then for whatever reason, it doesn't go. This property might be the property that I let out instead and I could move into that property if, if I couldn't afford to sell it, if I wasn't going to get the money back. There are options. So maybe you could sell it on. Maybe you could do it up, sell it on. Maybe... There's always, I think there's always options. I think if you've made that decision in the first place, the chances are it's still the right decision. But it may be that you just have to change the way that the outcome is going to be. So maybe it's not going to be a rental property. Maybe it's going to be a property that you do up and, and, and just flip. 
or maybe like I say, you think actually this property probably doesn't suit a family, but maybe it suits me in my circumstances. Let's change and, and, and I move in and somebody comes here because it's more of a family home. I don't know, but hopefully you've done your research before you buy the property and you know, you know that it's not the worst decision in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Would you do your house's um, service accommodation? Would you put it on Airbnb if you were going to move? I would. I mean, it needs obviously needs things like um, smoke detectors, wired in, and things like that. So yeah, possibly that that, that, that is another thing that another option. Yeah. Mum lives in the most gorgeous cottage in the Cotswolds. And she always will tell you that there's more stuff that she needs to do to it. <laughs> it is one of these places that actually, if you sit down and think about it, you worry about it. <laughs> Well, he doesn't use new windows, and he needs new rooms. He needs <laughs> <laughs> new kitchen, he's he new doesn't. bath. <laughs> and look at it too much. Well, that's the I, live I see all the things, don't I? That's, that's the thing. I do see all the bits. But yeah, there is a potential. So when I come to make that decision, it's then looking at all the different options. The same as when I moved from Bath to here, we looked at those options, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And again, we've revisited the options for that property, haven't we? Yeah. Last, not last year, the, the year before, we reviewed, didn't we? When I was going to change tenants, we reviewed and decided, is this the right option? Is it the best option to get new tenants in? Would it be a good option to sell it completely and buy somewhere new? Would it be a good option actually to knock the whole place down and build something else? So you have to review your decisions, I think, and they can change. And once you make a decision, it's not set in stone. I think you just have to be flexible and to think flexibly always. Yeah, because once you've got an asset, you've just got to make it into an asset. I don't always think that you have something that is immediately an asset, not immediately making you money, but... Well, you hope that it does, but if it doesn't, there's always other things that you can do, and it's about looking at options. Yeah, like you say, there's you could Airbnb it perhaps if it's the right property. Or you can do that short term as well before you bring in tenants. Or you may find that actually having tenants is the best thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think you can look at the different options. And you can do a mix of both if necessary. Mm-hmm. Like you can always just turn it back into a bakery and sell loads of bread out the window. There's always that option. <laughs> Probably not so. <laughs> options and that's the thing I mean you know people would would like to come here and stay here I'm sure because it's like a quintessential English cottage <laughs> would you leave your, your chickens in the garden no <laughs> 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 oh dear so what do you feel about the thought but what if I fail I've spent all this money and it's my life savings and what happens if the whole thing falls apart do you ever think, you think about, about No, not really. Because I think that you could worry about things like that too much. And that's why I think that when you're when you're making decisions, you need contingency things. What would I do if this happened? If everything fell apart, I'm flying out to America and living with Natasha. So, you know, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Get ice coming after you when you overstay your visa. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's What's the worst that can happen, to be honest? It is true. And but I think I'm in a fortunate position because I didn't use every last penny. I've got enough collateral, is that what you call it? 
enough equity. I've got enough equity in the properties that if the worst comes to the worst, both properties can go and I still would be left with enough money to survive on. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That's a really good point over not over leveraging. I know that there's, I'm seeing more and more people talking about 80% loan to value, but if you can get to that 75% loan to value, my gosh, like so much better security gives you that, that, that kind of, what's it? Cushion. That's what I'm looking for. It does. And I think that you have to be sensible about things like that. Mm -hmm. Unless. You know, you absolutely are sure that this is going to work, then it's worth taking a chance if you're absolutely sure. But leave room to have your own home because I think the worst thing would be to have to completely start from scratch again with nothing. That would be really, really hard. Yeah. Yep. But it all also depends on what stage of life you are. I'm very fortunate is that I don't have any dependents at, at the moment. You know, I've got your children, but you're not dependent on me. So I don't have anybody that if I lost everything, it really didn't matter that much. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I, you know, if I, if you children were still school age, I think that the way that you risk, you know, the risks that you take are, are very different. So you have to consider your situation and if there's anybody dependent on you. So, mm-hmm. That's it, really, I think. Don't worry. If it all falls apart, you can come be dependent on us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking that as a given anyway, so. (laughs) So then what does the right decision actually mean to you? What would the right decision be? I don't think there ever is a right decision that ends perfectly. I think Mm -hmm. there are decisions that, the decisions that are right are the ones that you don't lie awake at night worrying about them. If you're not having sleepless nights, then I think that you've made the right decision. Yeah. You know, if you're having sleepless nights, then maybe you need to rethink and change direction. But apart from that, I think any decision you make is probably a good decision. And it can then, you know, get better. It's not going to get worse, I don't think. No, oh, even if it does, you can change it. Yeah. I sometimes sort of think to myself, maybe I regret some things, but then actually I don't because I wouldn't change the way things have turned out now. You do sort of think, well, was that a bad decision? Should I have decided that? But sometimes, you know, there's no point thinking about that because I'm quite lucky. I think I'm lucky. I think that I've achieved quite a lot. So I think the decisions I've made have been the right decisions. Because it all turns out. Yeah. So final question. Do you have any advice for anyone who's struggling to make the right decision? Well, I, I would make a list of the pros and cons. Write down a list of things that why it could be a bad decision. What's mm-hmm. stopping you from making this decision? And write down all the good things of what's good about it, how it makes you feel now, and what potentially good could come out of it. And then weigh up the two. And I think you sort of get a gut feeling. If the gut feeling is too much, this is going to be a bad decision. Just don't go with it because there'll be another, something else will come along. You don't always have to, to take the first thing that sort of heads your way. If it's not right, don't go with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
months, Mum. This has been a pleasure. Really appreciated having you on the podcast today. I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to this and you've taken a lot from it. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast because that helps more people find it. Thank you so much for listening today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.